we've been looking at worship for several weeks. We looked at what it looks like to have private worship, to have family worship. We've looked at what it means to worship together corporately. And uh, that last week we started what was going to be one sermon and it has turned into three sermons of looking at Revelation, uh, looking at worship in the book of Revelation. And the reason that I wanted us to look at that is because if we're going to um, try to help encourage us in how we are to worship here, then what better way than to see what worship looks like in its pure form in heaven. And so um, with that, last week, I'm going to do a little uh, short review of last week because it, it will lead into this week. And so the first thing we did is we just looked at the introduction of Revelation, of, of um, what John says there and what he is saying about where that came from. Um, we saw where uh, Jesus not only is he, is he going to tell us about the Father, John's going to tell us about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, but he tells us that Jesus has given him seven churches uh, to send letters to, and so he's going to do that. Um, he tells us that, well, we see this phrase that just echoes throughout all of Revelation, which is in speaking about God the Father, who, who was, who is, and is to come. And, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we see that in Revelation chapter 1, in that introduction, but then we went, we skipped the letters that he wrote to the churches, and we went straight to the throne room in Revelation chapter 4, and John looks, and behold, he's in the throne room, and he begins to describe all of these things around God, and these things that he doesn't really have the words to, to describe in full, um, but he is describing them the best of his ability. Of course, this is scripture, it's inspired by God, it's, it's breathed out by God, and so this is everything we need to know from here, from this side of eternity, about what things look like there in the throne room. And so we get that information. And the thing that I wanted us to focus on that we really paid attention to um, is what were the people saying? What were the people singing in these different times in Revelation? And we, we saw some of that in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, for example. We saw that there were these four creatures around the throne and they, can, they constantly were saying over and over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we talked about last week how that is not something that gets boring because they are in the presence of a holy God. Uh, uh, all, all glory is, is due to him. Uh, we talked about how really worship is when you put worth on something, when you show someone how their, their worth, what they're worth to you. And, and so with worship taking place here and the worth being infinite because as God, these creatures who are constantly in the presence of God, when God is revealing more and more of himself to them, they continue to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, or say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and they don't get tired of that. That it's, it's not just this boring routine that they're going through. This is something that being in the presence of God, they can't help but to say. Because every second they're re realizing more and more of his glory, more and more of his worthiness. And so they can't help but to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then we looked at verse 12 of that 
or sorry, verse 11 of Revelation chapter 4, and we saw where the 24 elders, they cast their crowns before the throne, and they said, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so we talked about how God created us for his pleasure, to know him, to have a relationship with him, and the byproduct of knowing God and having a relationship with him, for those of us who do, is when we come into his presence, what can we say but worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory, honor, and power. And so we saw that in the throne room, <clears throat> excuse me, in Revelation chapter 4. And then in Revelation chapter 5, <clears throat> we see where someone, um, a mighty angel proclaiming with a, a loud voice, says, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And John looks around, and, and remember, uh, the, the scroll and the seals, it represents the end of time, and it represents the end of pain and the end of suffering. Heaven can't come down. We can't be with God until, these, until the scroll is open and these seals are broken. And so it's really important that this happened, and we talked about last week how, for, for those of us in this room, we understand the pain of this earth. We've, we've experienced heartache. We've experienced suffering. We've experienced sickness. We've experienced these things that will no longer exist in heaven, and so we want these things to come to an end. And they will. And God has promised that he is going to make all things new. He's going to make all things right again. He's going to redeem what was broken and restore what was broken. And we see this promise throughout Scripture. And John, being a friend of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, uh, he, he sees this. He knows this. And here he is in heaven. He's just seen the throne room, right? He's there. He's, he's described it in all its majesty. He's seen these four living creatures that in themselves are, are insane and just in a spectacular way. Um, he's seen them nonstop saying, uh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's seen the 24 elders fall down and throw their crowns at the, the throne in a, in a worshipful way. And say, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. He's seen these things happen. And now, he's looking for someone. This angel is proclaiming with a loud voice, looking for someone who is worthy to open the scroll. To bring about the end to suffering. To bring uh, about, the, even better than bringing an end to suffering, bringing unity to where... God and man can dwell together. And so he's looking for someone worthy, and he can't find anyone. And no one is seen who is worthy. And John begins to weep because he wants this so bad. He wants the end of all the bad and the, the marriage of all the good. He's ready for it. And he begins to weep because no one is found worthy. And someone comes up to him and says, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he looked, and behold, there was one as though a lamb had been slain. And then we saw in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 5, and they sang a new song, 
saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And we, we are looking at these songs, and we're looking at them in detail, and these sayings, we're looking at them in detail to see what are they saying, because really our words should reflect truth. When we sing songs on Sunday morning, those songs should reflect the truth of the Word of God. And that's what we saw this morning, right? We saw these songs, whether it was the offertory that Miss Pauline did an incredible job on, and it was so reflective of something that we'll look at later on in this uh, sermon, if we have time. Um, And then uh, we sang about the blood, the power of the blood. We sang about there is a fountain filled with blood. And this blood is, is what, it's the blood of Christ. And because he shed his blood, we have an opportunity for salvation. We have an opportunity to be made righteous so that we can even come into the presence of God. And we know that. And John was looking for that lamb. John was looking for who was worthy. And he didn't see anyone. And then all of a sudden, here he is. And so this is a beautiful thing. And, and this isn't even, what we're doing is we're just going through here looking at these highlights. We don't, we're not even looking at these incredible things like in verse 5 where it's th- this bowl is mentioned, which is full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. We're not even looking at the fact that our prayers right now that we're offering up to God, that we're, when we're asking him, God, bring an end to the suffering. God, rescue us, save us, help us, that those prayers are somehow symbolically stored in heaven in this bowl and it's just incredible the things that we can't even look at in revelation and that was in verse 8 by the way of chapter 5 if you want to look at that later but then they said again with a loud voice this is numbers myriads myriads thousands and thousands this is in Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, they're saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then he heard every creature singing this, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And that's where we left off. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't want to just skip over that because that, that's needed to, to know where we're headed today. Um, but there is going to be a transition between what we talked about last week and where we're going this week. And I want to play this song for you. And it's written by Andrew Peterson. I played it at Easter a couple years ago. Um, but this is going to be the version that's sang by Shane and Shane. And so I just want to encourage you to listen to the words. This is straight from Revelation. Um, this is, I think that Andrew Peterson is one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, uh, songwriters of our day. And uh, this song is beautiful, and it's challenging, it's exciting, it's encouraging. Uh, but at the same time, it's basically just taken straight from Scripture. And so that's what makes it so powerful. And so enjoy these, this video. So in looking at Revelation, this is what we see is that he is worthy because he created us, right? He, he is creator. He is worthy of our worship simply because he created us. We belong to him because he created us. 
But we don't just belong to him once, we belong to him twice because he saved us. He saved us from our sins. And if we put our faith in him, if we put our trust in him and what he has done, the work that he has done on the cross, if we're putting our trust in what he has done, not in what we have done or not in our goodness, but in his goodness, if we put our faith in him, then he will save us. It is by grace that we have been saved through what? Faith. And so Christ saves us through faith. It's what he has done. It's, it's be, uh, you know, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I looked and there was a lamb that had been slain. And this is what he has done for us. And that's why he is worthy of worship. I mean, he is worthy of worship just in who he is. But if you want to look at what he's done for us, he's created us and he's saved us. And he's done a lot more for us than just that. But that's what he's done for us. And one day, that salvation will be completely fulfilled. One day, that salvation will be completely realized in a way that where there is no more suffering from uh, temptation to do wrong, suffering of temptation to sin, um, no more desiring things that are not good and not of God. We will, we will be made righteous in his image we will be made like him in the sense of we will desire only good. And guess what we will have in heaven? Only good. And so, praise God. I heard something this week. A friend of mine, uh, Michael Pettit, many of you know him, he said uh, in discussing uh, worship, in discussing, like, th- this message, he said something very convicting because he said... Um, if we don't enjoy worship here on earth, what makes you think we're going to enjoy it in heaven? And so if we don't enjoy worship, if we don't enjoy worshiping our God, something's wrong. And we need to go to him about that. And now, worship looks like a lot of different things. It's not just singing, as we have been discussing and talking about. But if we don't enjoy living for God here on earth, then are we going to enjoy it for an eternity? And, of course, that's a loaded question with a lot of different aspects. But uh, the next thing I want us to look at is in Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 12. And we're just going to spend a few minutes on these passages um, because we're we're going to end the service this morning by taking the Lord's Supper together. And when we take the Lord's Supper, um, the service will run an extra few minutes for us to be able to do that. Um, but when we take the Lord's Supper together, we are to remember what Christ has done for us. And that's what this entire sermon is, is remembering what Christ has done for us. But we, we will also look forward to what he will do for us. And so we're, we're looking back at what he has done for us, but we're also hopeful of what he will do for us. And so it's, it's a double purpose here this morning. And so in Revelation chapter 7, the first thing we see in that chapter, if, if you have your Bibles open, is you're going to see that there, it lists 144,000, and there are different understandings of what that means. That's another sermon for another day. Um, but I do believe that it represents those who have been saved by his grace. Whether it's Jewish people or all people, we're not sure in the first 11 verses. There are different interpretations of that. Um, or sorry, verse, first eight verses. But in verse 9, we know that by this time it's talking about all because of the, the language So in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, it says this. And this is after some of the scrolls have been opened. Sorry, some of the seals have been broken. And some of these things have started happening to bring about the end. 
And after this, verse 9, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so if we look at these verses carefully, we're going to see a few things. Back in verse 9, we see, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one can number. So this is more than just 144,000. This is more than just a symbolic number of a lot. This is saying, this is a whole lot. This is more than I could even number. And, and it's from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And so who is going to be worshiping God in heaven? All people. Not just Americans, not just Europeans, all people. All people are going to be worshiping him. All people are going to be singing these things and crying out because the Bible tells us that he is going to save people from all peoples. That he is going to save people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And, and we have that. And we, in, here in Revelation, we're given a peek into the future of what is going to be happening. And here we see the fruition of that. The fruition of our evangelism. The fruition of our missions. Why does missions exist? According to John Piper, Missions exist because worship doesn't, meaning the purpose of us, the purpose we have as human beings is to have a relationship with God and to worship him, to be in relationship with him and worship him for eternity. And the reason we do missions is because there are people out there who don't know that, who don't have that relationship with him. And so we go and tell them, yes, so that they can be saved, yes, so that their sins can be forgiven, but according to, even more important than that, even though that's really, really, really important, what, who is the most important being in all of the universe or outside of the universe? God. And so more important than the salvation of the lost is the worship of a holy God. And God loves us enough to accomplish both in one going. He sent his son so that we could have a relationship with him. And he saves us and he, in, in that salvation, which belongs to our God who sits on the throne according to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, and, or 10. Um, we worship him. And that's what they're doing here. They're worshiping him. And with palm branches. It's interesting, isn't it? The different ways that worship occurs in Revelation. And of course, for those of you who are familiar with Scripture, this takes us back to Palm Sunday, right? The, 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 when Jesus is entering Jerusalem and the people are putting the palm branches at his feet and, and worshiping him and saying, Hosanna. And, of course, they turned from him, those people. Will these people turn from him? No. This is real worship. This is the real proclamation of Hosanna. This is the real proclamation of salvation belongs to our God. And then they, they these other forms of worship, right, they fell on their faces in verse 11, then they said, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then if you turn, and I know I'm skipping a lot here. Again, this is just a survey of worship in Revelation, not a survey of Revelation. But Revelation 14, verses 1 through 3, 
as you're turning there, even in uh, a survey of worship in Revelation, we can't cover everything in a few weeks. And so I've picked out some of these um, here. But what you need to know about what we're about to read is, is that this takes place right after uh, we see the beast. And so right in the midst, of, most people believe that that's Satan, um, right in the midst of when we're seeing these bad things happen, and yet the end being brought about so that bad stuff stops happening, um, we see this in Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. So he's not in the throne room anymore, right? He, now he, we see him here in Zion. Um, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. So it's this unified voice, even though it's many things, instruments, voices, it's a unified voice, and it's in perfect harmony. And verse 3, And they were singing a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. So here is a song that only the redeemed can sing. The angels can't sing this song. No one can sing this song except the redeemed. Because we know the song. Because we know about salvation because we have been saved. And so if you're grateful for the salvation that you have, then there should be a new song dwelling up in you all the time. There should be a desire to worship him and to praise him all the time. Is there? Do we have that? Is that present in our life or are we missing that? And then in Revelation chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. Here we're going to see them uh, sing the song of Moses, which is a victory song. And this is, we're getting really close to the end now. Um, Revelation is 22 chapters long, and so we're in Revelation 15. And in verses 3 through 4, we see this. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying... Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So when God reveals himself and when he begins to cleanse things and purify things and bring about redemption and restoration, when he does that, What's going to happen? What's going to be the response? Worship. Fear. In a healthy way. In a, they see the power of God and they respect it. It's like when Rose uses her mama's voice in our house. And our children look at her and they realize that they better act right. That kind of fear. It's a good, healthy kind of fear. David brother says, I want to have pride like my mama had and not like the kind in the Bible that turns you bad, right? It's, this, is the, this is a good kind of fear, a, a healthy fear, the kind of fear that we put our trust in God and we see how powerful he is so we want to follow him in the right way, but it's a healthy fear. And that fear and that love and that trust and the mingling of all of these emotions and responses lead us to worship. Worship the one true God who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb, 
because of what he has done for us. And so, what has he done for us? He created us. He gave his life for us. And one day he will restore all that has been broken. So right now, we remember what he has done, and we look forward to what he will do. So what has he done for you? Kenny's about to come up, and and we're going to have a time of invitation. And after that invitation, the choir is going to lead us in a song. And as we listen to the words of this song, and as during the invitation, during all of this, I want us to think about what Christ has done for us. He gave up his life for us. He shed his blood for us. And so I want us to think about that as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. I want to remind you and make it very clear that you don't have to be a member of our church to take the Lord's Supper, but we do ask that you be a member of the church, that you have put your faith in Christ. We ask that you have been baptized because that is the the first um, act of obedience for a Christian that we're supposed to follow. Um, But we're not going to police this. If, if, If you feel a freedom, even if you haven't been baptized, that's between you and the Lord. All of this is between you and the Lord. We want to make sure that you are taking this in the appropriate manner, the the Lord's Supper that we're going to take together. We will get a piece of bread and a cup of juice that represents his body and his blood, his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. That's what he's done for us. He created us. He didn't mess up. He created things perfectly, right? He created us perfectly. But he created us with the ability to choose right and wrong. And Adam and Eve chose wrong. And every human sense has chosen wrong. We were born into sin. And we've all committed sin. And we caused a separation between us and our God. But he saw fit to restore that. He sent his son, Jesus. Man had sinned against God, so man had to pay for that sin. And the way that God, in his perfect wisdom, came up with a plan to remedy that was God became man so that he could pay for the sins of man. So Jesus was born as a baby who grew into a man who died on a cross in order to to pay for the sins that we have committed. He didn't deserve any punishment. He didn't deserve death. He went there willingly for our sake, to cover our sins pay for what we have done and to make us right with God. And so since he paid the price, if we accept that payment on our behalf, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we follow him, if, if we are saved, then he forgives us of our sins and he makes us right with God. He makes us right before God. When God looks at us and judges us, and determines whether we should be in heaven or hell, whether we should spend an eternity with God, enjoying everything that he's going to make right, or if we should spend an eternity separated from God, then he won't do that on our merits. He will do it on Jesus. He will look at whether we have a relationship with Jesus and whether we have put on his righteousness or not. And so my question to you this morning is, have you done that? Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you asked him to save you? If not, then I want to challenge you and encourage you to 
put your faith in him this morning, to have faith, to look at the truth of everything that we've been discussing and talking about, of how things were and how things will be, and put your faith in him for salvation. And if you have a relationship with him, my question to you this morning is this, is are we worshiping him the way that he has called us to? Are we living for him the way that he has called us to? Because we're about to eat the Lord's Supper, we're about to drink what represents his blood and in order to remember what he has done for us. And my question to you this morning is, is have you been living your life in a way that honors him and honors that? And so before we even put that bread in our mouth, I want us to, to consider, to examine ourselves and to ask God to examine our hearts and for us to consider, have we, are we in good standing with God? Not just salvation through Christ, but in fellowship. Have we asked him to forgive us of our sins because we want to be right with him in fellowship? And if there are things in your life that you need to get right, you have an opportunity to do that before we even take the Lord's Supper. So during this invitation, you respond to God in whatever way he's leading you. And parents, if you need to spend some time responding to God before you go get your children, then spend some time. And then I'm asking parents who have children who have been saved, who have given their life to Christ, and fit those things that we talked about earlier, if you want to go get your children so that they can take the Lord's Supper with us, and then we'll have the Lord's Supper. And so, if, if Kenny, if you would, if you would come lead us, and we're going to have a time of invitation. So if you all would stand... And if you need to remain seated, if you need some time just to sit and think and pray, then do so. Um, but I'm going to ask that you guys uh, use this as an opportunity, not just to sing to God, but to make sure that our hearts are ready and that we're remembering that he has paid it all, that, that um, he has given his body and his blood. And let's remember that. But you respond to God in whatever way he's leading you.